Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Black Jackson Estate Podcast. We are the realest, the blackest, and still the baddest out here. Bunch of baddies. I am user one. I'm so excited to be here because, listen, it's another day. We made it through. We're recording this podcast out in the Carolina that is North and South Carolina. I know y'all trying to figure out what the South part is about. I'll get there in a minute. But let me check in with the one user I've got, user 1.5. How you doing? It's a beautiful day outside. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I feel like Mr. Rogers at this point. Uh, I'm here. And, you know, we lost Ashley. Ashley is out there in political land, really fighting for her life at this point. (laughs) (laughs) But we love you, baby. When she listens to this, because she eventually she will. She's out here. Everyone knows if you listen to this show, if you've been listening from Jump Street, you definitely know she is a political person. That's her job. She's in this space. She's kind of a boss at what she's doing. And she supporting the Democratic Party. And we know that we have coming up next year. It's going to be a crazy presidential election. User 1.5, what you think? She's out here working hard. And do you think that's because the horse that, that they, the old horse that they got us, they trying to ride to the finish line might old not make horse. it? So rude. So rude. You talking about Joe Biden? Uncle. Listen, <laughs> Uncle Joe. He is the least of their problems at this point. The North Carolina Democratic Party is falling apart as we speak. We oh had one dim negative jump to the Republican side, and that, my dear listeners, gives the Republicans a supermajority in the state of North Carolina, meaning that our very Democratic governor has no longer has the ability to veto any legislation that is put through the House or the Senate for the state state of North Carolina. So so that's most pressing for her. Joe Biden, listen, that man is 100 years old. He might not even make it. So are you trying to say our governor is now not a big G governor? He a little G? Roy been a little G, but <laughs> now he a little G-O-V. And on that note, we love you, Ashley. Can't wait to have you back. But in her place, we are very, very honored and excited. I'm really excited to see how this is going to go because I know it's going to be fantastic. We're happy to have Mr. Chris Lacey, a member of the MJ fam, on as our co-host. What up, what up? How y'all doing? What's going on, man? We're, we're excited to have you. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. We Listen, this is going to be good. It's going to be epic. Well, no, hey, thank, thank y'all, man, for allowing me to be on the show. I've been uh, been paying attention to y'all for, for a minute, man. Y'all been doing this for a long time. And um, I want to say the first episode that I heard in full was uh, when y'all went back and revisited the Bad Album. And I was like, you know what? These are my kind of people, bro. I rock with y'all. <laughs> Absolutely. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you tuning in. And we know you're a content creator in your own right. So we're happy to have you here because there's so much knowledge in the Michael fan community. And sometimes we just got to take a step and learn from one another and hear each other's thoughts because it makes being a fan even more fun. And you also learn something different about Michael. So I'm glad you're here. Let's get into it. Let me give you guys a little background on Chris. Chris is actually an independent writer. He's an IT consultant, a hip hop choreographer, and he is repping the big dog. He is a man of faith. Watching Michael Jackson inspire Chris to become a self-taught dancer at the age of three. His passion led him to working with the late Stephen Twitch boss of So You Think You Can Dance. At 12 years old, Chris was diagnosed with vitiligo and he shares a unique connection to Michael Jackson as a result of their shared personal struggles and their love for music and dance. 
Chris's writings about Michael and his art have appeared on albumism and medium. Chris enjoys entertaining and educating through writing and many podcasts. And he's previously appeared on a number of podcasts centered around Prince and his art and music, as well as the MJ cast. His goal is to tell stories that move you emotionally and stay with you forever. Chris, welcome to the Black Jackson Estate podcast. Man, the intro, man, 10 on 10, bro. (laughs) Well, you know, we got you. Tell the folks where they can find you online. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at ChrisLacy0215. I'm also on uh, Instagram, ChrisLacy1990. That's C-H-R-I-S-L-A-C-Y-1990. You got it. And we'll also link that to the show notes. If you're not following Chris, make sure you give him a follow. If you've got some questions for him, make sure you send him a message. Let him know how much you enjoyed him being on this episode. Send us a message. We know you're going to love it. So I'm telling you now before we even get into it. We've got a really fun show today. What we're going to be talking about is we're putting two iconic Michael Jackson albums against each other, Bad versus Dangerous. We're going to pick apart some aspects of each of these albums, put them head to head and let you guys know who we think reign supreme in the michael jackson catalog but before we get there it is time for some mj trivia what we're gonna do this time guys i'm gonna let y'all be a team normally i break everybody up and make you just stand on your own 10 toes but this time y'all help each other out come up with some answers let's do michael jackson do you have the correct answers this time because you know how you be having not i don't know okay Uh, you gotta know If you know the right answer, then you know if I got it. It doesn't matter. You'd be you. like, nope, wrong. Oh, wait, you you right. I'm wrong. Wait, we don't you need right, none I'm of that wrong. energy today. We don't need none of that today. I need you to have the correct answer. I have, as you we know proceed. what? I have, this, these are, like I said, all of the questions are from Moonwalk, and I have the page number next Terrible to it. So book. that's, that's how I. Book. That's how I have, I'm sure I got these right, okay? All right, let's start easy and let's work our way up. Y'all ready? It's team effort, okay? All right. All right. All right. Let's go. Michael Jackson premiered his version of the moonwalk on Motown 25. Shout out to 40 years, Motown 25. The very next day, he received a phone call from this famous dancer who told him, you're a hell of a mover. Man, you really put them on their asses last night. Who's that dancer? That was Fred Astaire. Look at y'all already off to it. Where the claps at? Where my claps? Manually clap. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. One for one. That's what I'm talking about. Let's go. All right. Now you warmed up. You can ready for something a little harder. All right. The song I Want You Back by the Jackson Five was originally written for Gladys Knight. And the original title of the song was this. Oh, mm. wow. This is yeah. wow. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you, I'm, I'm going to need user 1.5 on that. Oh, one. Lord. <laughs> you know how long it's been since I cracked open that terrible book? Um, for real, for real. Let's yeah. see. It wasn't I Want You Back. Uh, oh. So, baby, one more chance. Baby, one more time. Brittany. <laughs> Not hit me, baby, one more time. Hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> I have the no first idea. Words, the first words are I want. So, those, those remained. I want. I want what? a new man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know, oh. Chris. I don't know. I'm sorry. I I I can't say hey. it was this time. I don't know. No, Any no. Hey, I'm with you. It's it's, it's been a minute since I read Moonwalk, so it, I'm sure the I'm sure your audience is like, yo, like, don't ever invite Chris Lacey back. He don't know what's <laughs> um, but no, no. I'm 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 gonna have to hand it over to you. Use a one. 
What is it? All right. The answer is I want to be free. I want to be free. What? I I don't know why you. Yeah, that's the answer. Oh, I want baby, to be free. give me one more chance. And then and then the lyrics. Yeah. Won't you yeah. please let me back in your heart? So what is what are we being free from? Because he was begging. Since using one point yeah. five, said I be getting them wrong. Okay. I want you back was originally called. This is page seventy five. Moonwalk, y'all. Oh, she come with receipt receipt uh, receipts. Yeah. I want you back. Originally called. I want to be free. Written for Gladys Knight. Freddie, Freddie Perrin is the writer of that song. He had even thought that Barry might go over Gladys's head and give the song to the Supremes. Instead, he mentioned to Jerry, and that is Jerry Butler, that he just signed this group of kids from Gary, Indiana. Freddie put two and two together, realized it was us, and decided to trust fate. Wow. So Gladys and I didn't get it this time. And thank I God be Diana free. won't sing it on that. Jesus. Girl, can oh, you hear yeah. her singing? I want you back. No, the only thing she needs to sing for the rest of her life is the two songs, reach out and touch somebody's hand and <laughs> I'm coming out. Yeah, she just she needs to stay there. That. That's her bag. I haven't seen her else. live. She's she's pretty good. I ain't gonna, I can't hate her. I can't hate on her. All right, so y'all are one of, one of two now. All right, let's, let's get your percentages back up. Here we go. On the set of The Wiz, Quincy Jones famously corrected Michael Jackson's pronunciation of the name of this Greek philosopher born around 470 BC. It was uh, Socrates. Socrates. Yeah, he says Socrates, Socrates or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, do we get bonus points if I pronounce it the way Michael said? <laughs> bonus points of Socrates. What did he yeah. say? Socrates. Socrates. Socrates is how Michael said it. All right, last question. So y'all are two for three. Let's see if you can get 75% of these right. This one's a little hard, y'all. So I need you to really... Just center yourself and think about it. In Moonwalk, Michael describes the song Working Day and Night as sharing the same, what he calls, lyrical theme as this song from the Jackson's Destiny album. Let me read it again. In Moonwalk, Michael describes work the song Working Day and Night as sharing the same, the same lyrical theme as this song that appears on the Jackson's Destiny album. Think about it. Oh, you don't want the track list, honey? Y'all got it. Y'all got it? I got it. Okay. The things I do for you. Oh, wow. See, my partner's smart. That's how you got quiet over there. You didn't yeah, know. Yeah, because I didn't know. Because I didn't know. <laughs> well, you don't know, you, you'd be quiet, you know, and God will always step in. <laughs> Chris, Chris, I think you might have the highest percentage. Y'all have the highest percentage of correct answers ever on MJ Trivia. Wow. Looking back, man, I wish I, wish I could have got the I want you back question, man. I, I really wanted to get all Y'all have been 100 percent because, listen, we have heard some wild ass answers on this show. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Mm. <laughs> like, yo, like, yo, I don't know where you got this from, but you tripping. Right oh, now. but the, yeah, that's that's tough. That's tough. All right. Chris Lacey, user 1.5 are the reigning Black Jackson Estate MJ trivia champs at 75 percent answers. Correct. If you come on the show and you think you can knock them off the perch, do it. But until then, they get the claps. Bear, 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 bear. Bear, 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 bear. All right. And now we are ready to do the thing. I'm going to kick it over to Chris. He's going to drive this one for us. Chris, let's go. All right. Cool. Cool. So today's topic, we are talking about two eras in Michael's life and career that I haven't seen anybody do a, a, a true comparison for. Um, you know, usually see online, you know, oh, you know, off the wall versus thriller or thriller versus bad. 
Um, you know, if you feel real funky, some people say, you know, thriller versus invincible to me, I I don't want to be part of that debate, but that's a topic for another day. But what we're talking about today is bad versus dangerous. These two periods are to me, the apex of his creativity. You know, when you start from January, 1985, and you work your way to the end of 1993, that eight year span, Michael was on a whole nother level, um, songwriting choreography, singing, uh, you know, short films, all the things like he was just on a different level at that time. So I figured what better way for us to crack open those two eras and really give um, them their just due than to talk about it on the Black Jackson estate. Great intro, because these albums, you're right. The love we got to really, we, we share the love individually, but sometimes we need to, we need to put some little tension between and do some head to heads here and really look at what Michael was doing in his life and his career and stepping back and saying, I think the question really doesn't become which one is better. I think the question becomes which one is the most culturally significant, which one stands the test of time. That's the question that we're all going to answer at the end of this. So everybody keep that in the back of your head, but let's talk about both of these albums and the tours. Michael Jackson toured with his brothers until he was 30 years old. Remember, y'all, this little baby boy had been touring and gigging since he was, what, five? I think it was. So, oh, yeah, five. Yeah, he was a five baby. Five to 30. Clubs. Yeah, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Five to 30. He's, he's, it's all family. When he gets to bad, he really breaks out on his own. And it's the first time. And so, you know, it was crazy. Everybody's anticipating what, I mean, a world tour that, what this is going to be like. But I think before we can talk about bad, we're going to talk about bad first. And we'll talk about the dangerous tour. We'll figure out what were the good and the bad pros and cons, et cetera, of these tours. But I want to first talk about the last tour Michael did with his brothers. Again, 25 years of touring with his brother. So I know a lot of people say like, oh, well, he should have come back and did some more with his brothers. If you do anything with any one body for 25 years, you've you've done a lot. Mm-hmm. Take that as you may. Anything, you've done a lot. Okay, time to switch it up. Variety is the spice of life. Okay, so the Jacksons do their last tour together from July to December, 1984. Not long at all. You're talking about, you know, five months That's their last tour. They did 55 shows exclusively in the United States and Canada. And there was a European and Australian leg of the tour planned, but it got scrapped after Michael announced at a December 9th show that it would be his last performance with his brothers. And that tour grossed um, what would be in 2021. So it's even more now, $196 million. I think each brother walked away with more than $10 million at that time, what that was in 1984 from this tour. So I want to stop right here and give you, I want, I want whoever wants to go first, just take it. The Jackson's victory tour, Michael abruptly. So this is the T part, which I imagine is probably more true than not. This was a, a wreck. This whole thing was a disaster, right? Michael goes on the victory tour because his parents, his mother in particular, convinced him persuade him. She persuades him to do this because the brothers, the T is that the brothers needed the money. Michael did not need the money. Michael was financially well, but by this time, by the time the victory tour comes around, the brothers have not been, there's been some space and time between the last tour, which was, uh, triumph. There hadn't been a new album. Victory was, was, uh, coming out and that they were cash strapped. And this was a way to, to help them make money. And Michael agrees to do it, but he really didn't want to do it. There's a lot of 
gossip about how bad things got even between the brothers on this tour and that they did not know he was going to say at that December show, this is it. He said, this is it before 2009. He said, this is it to his brothers. (laughs) What do y'all think about, what do y'all think about the victory tour and what turned out to be for Michael, his last big tour with his brothers and that it kind of came, if we believe some of the stories out there, which they seem to be kind of consistent, it came to an abrupt end because they, this just was not working anymore. What do you guys think about that? Michael was cold blooded for that one. I mean, and I believe Jermaine in his book and I'm not going to pull it out because I, I'm tired of reading from these these Jacksons tonight. Jermaine in his book said that he didn't know Michael was going to say that they all were shocked when he said, like, this is our last tour. How cold blooded is that? I'm not I'm going to tell y'all y'all go find out when everybody else finds out. And it probably had been just chaotic. Fifty five shows in the U.S. Michael's like, I'm not going overseas with these people. I'm not doing that. And good for him. Sometimes you got to draw a line in the sand. We call them boundaries. You have to say, you know what? I'm not going to continue down this road because it's not beneficial. Also, isn't this the tour that there was this big issue with the promoter? What's his name? Don. um, I can't even think of his name right now. Wasn't there an issue with. Yeah, there was an issue with Don King prior to the show getting started and somebody somebody stealing money or so. I don't know. It was just a whole it was just drama from the beginning. And Michael wanted out. Yeah, it's um yeah, yeah, the Victory Tour was uh, super problematic, but uh, and to the point that you brought up about Don King, to my knowledge, the the issue that Michael had with the tour was that the ticket prices were astronomically high that he was thinking of, you know, fans that like you have to pay like good money to even get a ticket, let alone, you know, pay a ridiculous amount of money to even get close to the stage. So, he well, was thinking of his younger uh, fans that wouldn't get a chance Beyonce tickets. I said, don't let him see these Beyonce tickets out here because Beyonce, Queen Mother, got y'all paying. Some of y'all ain't gonna pay rent to go see her. If if what I read about Michael's stance on that is true, then I commend him for that because, you know, I I remember my my parents told me, you know, hey, there was a time that all we did was pay $20 for a ticket and then you still had enough money to get, you know, food and drink, you know, like, and and that, and you were good. So that, that was Michael's biggest issue with Don King from a promotion standpoint is that the tickets were too high for fans to, you know, for, for the fans that he wanted to be there, like they couldn't afford to be there. Then you got the Pepsi sponsorship and you gotta, you know, you gotta think like, you know, Michael's whole background with Pepsi and the, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the commercial accident and, and all that. So, and then, you know, going to what, uh, user one, what you had said before, you know, the only reason he were, he even decided to do it is that he couldn't tell his mother, Catherine, no. So yeah, it's just, it's just doomed from, you know, on all those aspects. And then when you look at the set list, the majority of the set list are Michael songs. So, I mean, like he is, mm-hmm. you know, this, he is the main attraction. Like he's the reason why they're pulling up and that, and, and that's mm-hmm. not a, that's not a shot at the Jackson. Cause I mean, they're, they're music royalty, but when you look at the set list, you know, like 58% of the songs mm-hmm. belong to Michael, you know, like they came from off the wall and thriller. So it's just like, yeah, like that's, a, that's a huge amount of responsibility to put on, you know, somebody that didn't want to be there to begin with, but he's doing it. Do, do I, do I think it was kind of spicy to wait till the last, you know, last show to be like, Hey, you know what? I'm done. This is it. Yeah, it is a little spicy, but I understand both sides of the situation. That's some nigga shit. Now, listen, <laughs> you, you could have told them, <laughs> you could have told, now, 
you know, because that's that's really some sucker shit. I'm not even gonna front. Like, cause he's like, right, y'all can't beat me up on stage. Y'all can't call mama on stage. Too late. I got you. Like, I mean, I, I cannot can you imagine after the after they got off the stage what that was like? Who knows what was said? They talked cash shit about him that night. They all got together in probably Jermaine's hotel room. And they did not invite Michael. This is just me editorializing because this is what right. I did. They you didn't invite really- Michael. <laughs> and they talked about him because I think now it goes to like, you are the baby brother. And I mean, I guess it's just that's feelings. Like, what respect do you owe to your siblings to maybe tell them beforehand that this is really it for me? But also maybe he had already told them this in private many times and they then they cajoled the mom, mommy, to come get him to do it. So I don't know, but I just, I don't like that. But, you know, he had his reason. He did what he did, you know? Yeah. Um, let me Let me ask you guys to take the opposing view because it seems like we're all in, an agreement that Michael, like Chris said, he's the reason they're pulling up, right? 58%, seven of 12 songs. And really might need to go like- Higher, it's higher. High, it's at, really higher. Like I, obviously the Sword in the Stone is not a song, but I didn't include Tell Me I'm Not Dreaming, but obviously he comes out on that. He, he goes back to he, take a breather while yeah. Jermaine does his set, but he comes back and the crowd goes crazy. And he showed Jermaine Tell up me I'm not on dreaming. his own song. He showed Don't Jermaine up on now his we own song. Now, why you need but to say that? I'm, now, how look, we get there? Look at this list. Okay, so the songs that are purely Jackson 5 or Jackson songs, they're actually not even Jackson 5 songs, I don't think, are the bangers. The Things I Do For You, This Place Hotel, Lovely One, Shake Your Body, okay? Those are bangers. Then Jermaine probably had a hissy fit and was like, you want to do some of my own songs? you and we get this let's get serious you like me don't you and tell me i'm not dreaming which literally if you watch the tour everybody was like went to the bathroom yes okay and and then (laughs) that bathroom break I mean, because I would have gone to the bathroom then. I'd have been like, oh, this must be the animation. Jermaine singing. See, Michael you know, went to the bathroom. I'm going to the bathroom too. <laughs> so, but all of these songs, Michael is a strong lead. There's no co-lead on the things I do for you. There's no co-lead on this place. Hotel. Yes, there he is. There's no co-lead there's on co-lead Lovely One. On, there's a uh, co-lead on, um, what's, what's the name of the song? Um, on what? Uh, Good Fiction Map to Lie. On what? Girl. Oh, shake your body. I, I hadn't gotten to shake your body yet. But mm-hmm. honestly, at the end of the show, those falsetto notes. Like, ah, da, 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 da. I mean, Michael was. <laughs> Wait a minute. Ain't no co-lead on shake your body. Hold on. It's not. <laughs> it's not a co-lead on any of these songs. Yeah, I was going to let y'all finish before I I'm thinking about. There's a co-lead on Can You Feel It. There's a co-lead on Can You Feel It. Randy sings Randy. On Can You Feel yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't do Can You Feel There's It. There's a co-lead on this place hotel. Latoya Scream. Oh, my God. That is not. Okay. Are we going to really call that a co-lead, though? Okay. So y'all don't want to give Latoya co-lead. Okay. So. You know you're right. Oh I'm, my I'm god! Not, no, y'all are right. You're you're right. All the Michael, the weight he carried. I think. Let me ask y'all this: Would you have been just you personally? Would you have been resentful if you were Michael to carry this weight? And you are like like Chris, you said you already didn't really want to do this. Uh, resentful. Um, hmm. I would have to say yes. You know, because again, you got to think where Michael is at at this point in time. I mean, you know, Thriller is selling like hotcakes at this point. You know, he's got mm-hmm. his own business ambitions, you know, you know, buying the Beatles catalog, all the things. And then now it's like, okay, 
I'm sure his brothers and Joe, they, they all tried to convince him to do it. And he was like, no, I'm not doing it. And then as the Trump card, they come out and be like, yo, we're sending Mama Dukes in there. He ain't going to say no. Like, I would feel some kind of way, too, if it's like, yo, if you send the one person you know I can't say no to to make me do something I don't want to do, then, yeah, there would be some some resentment there. And I would be resentful that all these mofos walking around like they actually work hard. Like they work just as hard as me. They all walking around in their sequence. They all walking around with they with they you know their Jerry curls popping, their aviator shades on, and Michael is literally doing the work. They did their shoe up, bop bop in the background, and still got just as well not just as much clout, but I mean they were out front. For anybody who's ever done a group project. If you've done a group project and you did of the work, but everybody received the same grade, does that not piss you off? Mm-hmm. That's what this is. The this is the equivalent of a group project. <laughs> we had a we had to make the solar system, and you didn't do a damn thing. You didn't even bring Pluto to the table. You wouldn't even paint the dolls, the little styrofoam. Balls, you wouldn't even paint you Mars red. You wouldn't even paint Mars red. You want to get all credit? red? We all got the same grade, and I literally stayed up all night piecing this together. No, I was going to say I did a group project in undergrad and it was an, it was in business schools, an international project. We we had to collab with people in other countries and most of them were Europeans. The Europeans were lazy. They did not want to help at all. No, and I just want to throw that out there. They're about to add you. <laughs> Get ready. I'm joking. No, I'm not really, truly. I mean, yeah, it I really bothers you that when people don't want to pull their weight, you know, the Americans, we were really pulling our weight, you know, wow. as we, Are as we, we tend the to Americans? <laughs> as we tend to do around the world, we pulling our weight. Now you stretching way Am too I stretching far now. It? You're doing too much now. Just okay, I'm gonna be quiet. Gonna... Chris, go ahead. Well, yeah, I'm I'm still trying to gather my thoughts. Like user one about to start World War Three on a Michael Jackson podcast. Like, right. For real. Right, she already got people mad at her. Unite, yeah, they're gonna unite one day and be like, you know what? I'm done with this shit. You gonna quit talking about the Europeans? (laughs) Ashley done called them weird, and you done called them lazy. Lord Jesus, Lord Wakanda forever. Chris, go ahead. Yes. (laughs) Today is challenge day. That's that's what using one is saying. Like today is challenge day. That's that's what it is. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) But is she our king? That's the question. (laughs) Yeah. But no, but but jokes aside, though, I mean, like, you know, back in 84, Michael was legit thinking, like, whose man's is this? Like, why am I having to do this? Like, why? You know, like, there's other things I could be doing right now. Because you got to think, like, if he's spending that time doing the victory tour, think of all the other stuff that we did not get, you know, short films for want to be starting something or PYT or human nature. Like, think of the things that we got robbed of as fans, which I guarantee you, had the victory tour not been a thing, we would have seen more creativity from the short film aspect because of Billy Jean beat it and thriller like that. That three headed monster was killing everything in 83. Yeah. So you mean to tell me that we wouldn't have gotten anything more in 84? I find that mm-hmm. hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I agree with you 100%, Chris. And I think that, I think that Michael's abrupt ending to the tour was just him enough of this i'm not going to continue to do this with you people i gave you enough dates that you have enough money and you can figure it out from there and i mean because michael didn't even need the money he donated all of his money which is the biggest flex he's like i'm here pro bono 
literally I'm here for y'all because I don't need this money. And can you yeah. imagine how hot them brothers were? It made them look small. Them. I ain't gonna front. Yeah, it make you look small. You know, they was probably trying to divide did, up his little did, money. Between <laughs> did anybody give a portion of theirs to uh, charity? No, and you know not. I'm just you asking. Know they didn't. Chris, I remember Jermaine was it? broke. Jermaine was broke. Hush. Chris, what you know about it? Did anybody, hey, do you I'm, know if anybody gave some of their money to charity? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep it 100 with y'all. I I've never come across anything that said that, hey, the other Jackson brothers gave up a percentage of this to charity. So Yeah. And that's I, not a diss. Did, it's just saying. Did, yeah, yeah, if they did, I hadn't read about it. That's all I'm yeah. going to say. If they, they worked. Did, so, I mean, listen, if, if you work, you get paid. So, I'm not mad at it. But it makes you look small when your brother gives all, not just a portion. Like, when he says, I'm going to give it all to charity, it does make you look it don't make you look good they talked about him they got together in jackie's room to talk about that probably no Mike joe called here. a meeting joe called a meeting <laughs> joe was like hey everybody come out tomorrow after this but okay on the serious side i do think there's this too there's this love of family and this family obligation that he continued to extend up until this space right for the victory tour and there's there's i think we can all relate to that where you show up at events or you do things because it's for family, even though you don't necessarily want to do it. He did it for 55 shows and then he said, I'm out. So I want to take 90 seconds and give you guys 90 seconds each to wrap this up because there's a reason we're talking about the victory tour. It bleeds into the bad tour, but let me ask you that guys, this, this one thing, give you both a chance to, to answer. And I'll start with Chris. We've talked about what we, what we feel. If you had to kind of give an argument in favor of this tour, with Michael and his brothers. And this was truly because it was a huge tour. And yet, like you said, Chris, people were pulling up for Michael, but it's the last time he doesn't know. Well, I think he did know it. It's the last time he's with his brothers prior to the 30th anniversary. And when you retrospect, look at the 30th anniversary and the magic they were able to create. And we know it's a lot of drama with that too, but the magic they were able to create there. And then you look back at this and you look at all the years in between, we didn't have that. Is there an argument to be made that this tour maybe shouldn't have been, maybe Michael, it shouldn't have gone down the way it did. I shouldn't have gone down the way that it did. Um, now, if if I had to defend Victory Tour, to me, this is the greatest point that I can give it, is that, you know, Michael Jackson and the Jacksons showing up, that's the greatest show on earth. You know, Michael always credited, you know, P.T. Barnum, you know, as inspiration. Like, he wanted to be Barnum and Bailey. They should want to be him. You know, like, when when you think of the amount of star power that they were bringing to the stage. And then, again, when you look at the set list, and and we're talking, like, top tier musicianship, you know, between him and his brothers, um, you know, the, the backing band that they brought with him, Eddie Van Halen came out and soloed, you know, for beat it. So, I mean, like, and then you got Pepsi pushing this thing. So it's like, like it, it's inescapable. Like that's, it's the greatest show on earth. Um, you know, if you're alive in 1984 or so now, do I think that it could have, you know, it, it, it could have been done better. Yes. I think Michael could have easily done a thriller tour himself now do i think he would could have invited his brothers for like you know a, a couple nights here and there be like hey you know you know since since we're in la or you know since we're in indiana i brought some people with me and then he brings out his brothers and then they you know they do their thing like that'd be cool but no like the victory tour as is greatest show on earth you yeah what you think yeah completely agree with what chris said greatest show on earth michael jackson and the jacksons together are electrifying it doesn't matter what the drama was behind the scenes people 
were excited to see these brothers together working together again they also were excited to see Jermaine back on stage with them because we have to remember Jermaine didn't tour with them for Triumph because of the Motown thing and I guess he was still upset about I don't even know what he was upset about at this point but so this is a bit of nostalgia for I mean talk about us millennials like that why you think we love going to see these shows from all of these wonderful acts back in the day we're like oh y'all are back together I want to go see you because it brings back these really awesome memories for people and I think that for some of the fans that might have been a little bit older who have been following the Jacksons from the time they were little kids up until this point it brought back those really awesome feelings of just happiness and listening to their music and whatever memories comes along with that. So I'm happy that they did it, but I'm also happy that Michael was able to, to extricate himself from the drama, but the victory tour was awesome. So it like, like Chris says, the biggest show, right. In 84, you gotta go. If you can, you got to go. Yeah, Michael had to to remove himself, but I'm glad that it exists. I wish, I agree, Chris, like it would have been cool if when we got to bed and he, he got back to the United States, he said for a couple of shows, I got some special guests and then the brothers came out, but um, that, that was not to be. And, and let's talk about why that was not to no, be. No, he because- decided to put them on the TV screen behind him instead. <laughs> How petty. Petty, petty. <laughs> Let's talk about the bad tour. The bad tour began September 12th, 1987 in Japan. We all know why. It spanned almost two whole calendar years, y'all, which is crazy. It ended in 1989. Everybody on this line, except for Chris, was screaming and crying and getting our diapers changed by this point. In the United States, 123 shows versus, let's look at the Victory Tour, 55 shows. He almost triples the shows for bad, which is by himself. This first tour by himself, he almost triples the tour shows <laughs> altogether. It is bad is the highest grossing solo tour of the 1980s. I'm going to repeat that again. Bad is the highest grossing solo tour of the 1980s. It's not, actually not the highest grossing tour. It's number two, but it is the highest, the, the, the tour that is before them as a group. I'm not going to tell you who it is and I'm not going to look it up. I can't remember who it was. It doesn't matter. Michael is the highest grossing solo artist touring in the entire decade of the 1980s. This little black boy from Gary, Indiana is the highest, I can't say it enough, highest grossing solo concert tour of the 80s, period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, like you said, it, it it takes a group uh to to beat Michael Jackson and that that was Pink Floyd. <laughs> they ended up being the highest mm-hmm. the highest grossing uh tour. Uh it was who? Decade. Uh Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so yeah, like everything you said, it, it, I agree with one thousand percent. And you gotta think his his level of showmanship was on on another level um i read in uh in rolling stone magazine that uh there was one day in rehearsals uh, michael heard a wrong note and he said hey l- l- let's let's go from the top and the band thought you know the top of the song he meant the top of the entire show like I, he's like i need y'all to be on point like i would not accept anything less than that so i'm like if that's the expectation you know michael's coming with some heat and you just got to think like the set list, like I, I prefer the second leg of the tour, 88, 89, like, cause there's more bad era cuts on there. So like 
another part of me you could just like when you're watching him you know like he's connecting to something that's out of this world like he looks like he's possessed by the holy spirit and he's just he's like he's just grooving he's just vibing and then you know dirty diana when he spins to his knees like he's not just you know it's going beyond just him talking about celebrity fandom you know, like you know he's bringing the rock and roll genre back to its black american music roots you know like he's bringing it to the core right and then with man in the mirror that's as close to a religious experience as pop culture can get you know like when you think of the chorus like the the chorus just makes your heart shatter but then it pieces it back together because it's telling you what the solution is you know like look at yourself like you know take a look at yourself and make a change so and user one you brought up a great point this man was on tour for two years. He could have easily taken a night or two off, but he never did. And he did this at at 30 years old. Like, nobody can hate on that. If you can hate on that, there's something wrong with you. That's Boy, a fact, Jack. I That's can't even fact. work five days straight without Listen, being Listen, need a nap. Man, I need a nap. What you mean? <laughs> I'm taking a nap. This man was on tour for two he was years. Moving. He was moving. Like, Chris, I like what you said about it's like, the spirit was in them. And now, now let me, let me, let me, let me take y'all to church. Put some organ music back here. Some of y'all need to go to church anyway. Michael was clear that God, his, his gift came from God. That the songs he wrote came from God. They came from elsewhere. They were, he was a vessel. He said this all the time, period. He never took credit. He always credited the creator. You don't have to agree you don't have to be you know spiritual or anything in between i really don't care i'm telling you what this man recognized in his own life and it came out it manifested on on a pop stage with people who don't know what black gospel is don't know what the black american spiritual experience is and how it it's culminating elements from africa and elements from european culture and it's putting it all together to create this unique experience that is only identifiable by black Americans only because, and and this is no shade to the diaspora, because if you go to Haiti, they got a whole different thing. Some of it might look familiar to us, but it's a whole different thing. This is black American spiritualism. And he brought it to the world. How many other artists can say they did it at this level? Nobody. Beyonce. I was going to say, but I'm like, man, I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to upset the beehive. Not on this episode. I'm not trying to. I can't speak your piece. I mean, like she, she, she's the only one at this level that can bring you this experience. It's very unique that people from other places around the world, you can only learn about, like, this is how you will get to ingest it. You don't own it. It's not a part of your culture, but you can now experience it and enjoy it. And you never would have even looked for it were it not for this person. All right. So here's mm. All right. I can already sense it now. I can already hear the beehive buzzing outside my door. Go ahead and let but, him at um, you. Let him at you. All right. So so here, here's what makes Michael unique compared to Beyonce. Now, I agree with you that that Beyonce is a global name, like instantly recognizable. Like when, when you're known by one name, you're doing something right. So I'll give Beyonce that. Michael had like you can see that when you watch him on stage, you can hear that in his voice. You can even see that in the moments where he's just like being still, like standing like a silhouette. Like nobody has that type of connection mm-hmm. with the fans. And again, watching him on stage at three years old, that's what inspired me to even start dancing in the first place. I didn't know Jack. All I knew was like Saturday morning cartoons, going to eat, going to sleep. That was pretty much it at three years old. But when I saw Michael on stage 
at and I'm three, I'm like, yo, that's what I want to do. I want to whatever he whatever he's doing, I want to do that. I've never heard any kid years from now, like like in the last 10, 15 years that or however long Beyonce's been doing this. I've never heard anyone say, yo, I watched Beyonce on stage and it inspired me to want to start dancing or inspired me to want to start singing or inspired me to do this. I haven't heard anybody do that yet. So Michael had this it factor that is so difficult to explain. But when you watch it, you feel it, you hear it, you see it. I just want to remind the Beehive that's at Chris Lacey 0215 on Twitter. <laughs> but hey, it, listen, <laughs> yo, if, if I'm off, if I'm off my square, you know what? You're not off. Me. You're not off, but you know, they don't need a reason. They like Michael fans. They don't need a reason. You just, you oh, just, that's you. true. <laughs> that's true. But, but and that's, like, like, that's not a knock against Beyonce. Beyonce's dope. Like she's a dope artist. Like Prince, when for he sure. was alive, gave her flowers. So like that, yeah. that's like, that's, that stands for something. Yeah. So like, this yeah. is not a knock against Beyonce. It, just, it speaks to how unique, how, how much of a one of a kind talent Michael Jackson was. Like we yeah. will never see that again in our lifetime. Oh, never, 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 never. I think that's just a, that's just a fact. And, you know, so it's at BLK Jacket State too. If you want to go ahead, go ahead. It's fine. I don't care, but get Chris first. But <laughs> but I think you're I think you're right right a one in once in a lifetime talent um and that's not to say that she's not as well but he occupies a unique space and time they're not of the same generation they're not of the same circumstances they don't evolve in the same world right and so it's some of the comparisons are not appropriate it's like LeBron versus uh Jordan these some of these are not appropriate because your things are very different right the game is different the way the game is played is different like so it becomes very difficult for you to make these comparisons and they be true really so I think that you're making a good point here and Michael just I always think Beyonce had a blueprint that was Michael Michael didn't have a blueprint for that level of stardom and success exactly he is the blueprint like and listen you can't at me on that because it's just the truth she had when you you don't reinvent the wheel you look at what other people have done and you try to do that and do it better but what happens when there's no one who's done what you've done and what you're doing you are the blueprint and she had that from michael and she honors that and so you know that's that's the little beyonce pick but User 1.5, I want I want you to jump in here. The bad tour, again, some of these stats, and I, I want to bring another stat up and, and have you kind of comment on that. Michael Jackson, the Jacksons, you know, notoriously, uh, most bands in the 70s, 80s, 100% male bands, that they have women who are singers um, join in, but the musicians are typically men. Michael Jackson departs from that. The Victory Tour didn't have any females playing any musical instruments as far as I could, I saw, I could tell. Michael brings in Jennifer Batten to be a lead guitarist. She's the only woman in this band, but he brings this woman in and creates a whole different atmosphere. He brings a, a rock, a, a more rock edge, but he also just incorporates, he, he's out here uh, getting his diversity hires in. What you think about some of the switch up that he had? Because of course, Bad had just come out less than a month before he started touring. So people hadn't really gotten a chest, chance to ingest this album yet. But that set list for Japan and that first leg looks really, really familiar to something we saw on the victory tour. So what do you think about that? What do you think about Michael incorporating women more into his show? Because it's not just Jennifer. Now he brings Tatiana Thumson on stage. He brings Cheryl Crow on stage. He starts bringing women out 
in a way that they are not included when it's just the brothers. Talk to me about some of that that you're thinking from the bad tour. Listen, I have done my fair share of talking about Tatiana, so I'm going to I'm going to take a pass on Tatiana right now. However, going back to what you were asking about him incorporate incorporating more women on the tour, I think that is absolutely fantastic. I think that Michael Michael wanted to work with the best, so it didn't matter who you were. And the best just happened to be this woman who he chose. The set list, though, I don't know. I know that artists tend to do that. They'll change up the set list based on where they are. They might remove a song or add a song based on kind of the climate of the town that they're in or the city that they're in. Michael pretty much switched up everything with this set list and of course incorporated more of the bad album on the You're second, about the half second of set. The tour. List. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the second half of the tour. And I don't know why he he did that. Maybe cuz I feel like Michael's from that old school where you play the songs that the fans want to hear. He said that on the, this is it, right? Like you play the songs that the fans know because how many times you gone to a tour and you're like, is this a new song? I don't know this song. You know what I'm saying? Like you've gone to a show. You're like, I'm not here for that. That's how I felt on the millennium tour when Mario was trying to sing his new stuff. I was like, sir, we're not here for that. We're here for just a friend and you know, whatever all else you got from early 2000s. So maybe he he decided to switch it up because maybe the fans were asking like, where, where's the bad material on this tour? Because it is the bad tour, but I would like to know why he didn't include more of the bad songs in the first leg of the tour, because the album had been out for a month, but I guarantee they you. No, it hadn't even been a month. They won't ask and shit. They didn't ask nothing on the victory <laughs> tour when they didn't no, do no victory songs. Oh, they say, they, they say it's victory over everything. <laughs> the victory tour, no songs from the victory album. Zero. And were you disappointed? I, I wasn't there, but I wouldn't have been. Okay, exactly. Exactly. But I, I mean he, I think he did I think he wanted to give the songs a chance to come out so that they could enjoy them. Like that's why I think the Europe the, the American and European leg got the better show. Because at this by the time he gets this deep in, A, the show is becoming more refined and he's like they're working out the kinks and everything. And you, more songs are coming out, more people have gotten the album. And it's a better this is where you get Tatiana lip locking him. Like you get that in the Tired second. ass Tatiana. Unemployed. Girl, Tatiana. I hope she stuck her tongue so far down his throat. Oh, I couldn't see that she did. But if you're gonna get fired after, we need to go for the gold. Just go for I don't the think she did. I don't think she did neither. I think he agreed to that. But anyway, that's another episode. Y'all go back and listen to that. I I love that he incorporated women in a very pronounced way, in a very prominent way, because you don't you didn't see that from the Jacksons. Um, And Michael goes like, okay, I'm going to take a whole nother approach. He brings ladies out and he continues that into the, the dangerous tour. But okay, let's talk. Let's wrap up. Let's wrap up bad so we can talk about dangerous and put them head to head. Bad ends with, again, 123 total shows, and he is tired, okay? He takes a break. He goes off, and we know that in between Bad and Dangerous, so Bad comes out in 87, Dangerous comes out in 1991. He takes a bit of time, and he's not... What was he doing? What was he doing during... during what 89 80 end of end of the tour to 1991 mm-hmm. is he is he now he's just recording now like he's preparing for yeah. dangerous 
yeah yeah he's mainly recording uh uh songs for dangerous um you know he's working with at, at this time he's also working with uh brian loren for some songs that showed up on uh, the simpsons mm-hmm. yep, yep uh, he yep, also yep. did uh satisfy he did satisfy you with brian loren too i love that song that's yeah. right yep mm-hmm. yep and um also did uh my mine is the magic you know for sigfrid and roy uh, so, so yeah, like he's mainly in album making mode at this point. He's in album making mode. And let's just remember, so we go from a 25, uh, a 29 year old in 1989 releasing the bad album. He's 33 years old. He's got a little bit more life experience. And we know four years in your late 20s to early 30s is is seminal, man. You learning some stuff that you're like, wow, I'm an adult, adult for real, for real. And you're seeing the world through a different set of eyes. So he's going into dangerous. The bad album itself debuts at number one, six consecutive weeks. Uh, dangerous also debuts at number one. But let's talk about dangerous and the dangerous tour. That tour. So the album comes out November 26th. 1991 and he begins touring in June of 1992 in Germany and he ends in Mexico City in November of 1993 no North American dates period point blank no dates over the wall what did y'all do no dates over the wall y'all upset him somewhere in here this is a great (laughs) tour this is this is really great this is the first full-length tour that I remember watching from Michael Jackson and when he jumps out of that stage mm. okay what's up because I got a question for y'all okay because Chris you brought this up earlier I cannot wait to get here so I can bring it back up okay you said um he stands on the stage he's just standing there okay now remember in bad he starts testing this out and I remember seeing the shows where he's standing there like doing the statue stand and they're just like oh okay oh all right I got you you're doing this but let's go to the dangerous tour. That nigga stood there in that sequence and them glasses and they went bananas for like an like forever. And every move he made was calculated, moving the shades off. Like you could see the evolution from what he was trying to accomplish on bad. Like he started testing it out for bad, kind of like the glove. I feel like the, the, the standing there thing is like the glove. He tested this out with the Jacksons. Y'all weren't paying attention for real. It took the, the Billie Jean era for you to really get that glove. Th- that's how I feel about the, the statue standing. And, and, and I missed something. What, y- what y'all think? Yeah, Michael coming out of that stage for Jam was epic. I said on a previous podcast, and I'll say it again, that, so I'm a big wrestling fan, pro wrestling, and um, Chris Jericho, who was with the WWE for a long time, he's now with AEW. He said that, and if anybody knows, if you know, you know, Chris Jericho used to come out with his back to the crowd with his arms out, he would stand there for a minute. Then he would turn around and he would stop and he would stand there for another minute. Now, as imagine this is as long as you can do when you'd make it an entrance for a wrestling match. Mm -hmm. But he said he got that from Michael Jackson because he said watching Michael Jackson specifically on this tour helped him understand the power of a pause and the power of just turning your head. The fact that Michael Jackson translates across all genres of entertainment is absolutely phenomenal. And it started with jam on this tour where people were passing out. He hadn't sung a note and they were passing out. You, you got to think, imagine like like there were fans like camping out in front of the venue for days, even weeks to right. get tickets. Right. Imagine passing out the moment you see him. <laughs> like, bro, that's, that's why I said what I said about, you know, Michael, when people try to compare Beyonce and other people to him, like nobody had 
it mm-hmm. like Michael did. Like I've never seen any, anyone pass out minutes within a Beyonce concert. I hadn't yeah. seen it. it may, there yeah. may be footage out there, but I hadn't seen it. This is the era not of Ticketmaster on your phone. This is the era of you have to get up, go to the venue and purchase paper tickets. It was first come, first serve. So if you were first in line, you got the first ticket. You were guaranteed to get a ticket. If you were around the block for the third time, you may or may not get a ticket. And the venues only had so many tickets. The dedication of people, like Chris says, standing outside for days, weeks for Michael Jackson is absolutely incredible. And I want y'all to think there's nothing in your hand. You couldn't just hit Michael Jackson, buy a ticket, and that was it. You had to you had to be dedicated. Mm-hmm. And then to pass and real, out. And, and real quick, I, I want to make sure I point this out because I, I appreciate you for doing this. Thank you for shouting out Y2J Chris Jericho, bro, because that's one of my favorite wrestlers of all of time. Of course. I um, love Chris Jericho. Love yeah, Chris yeah. Jericho. We'll, 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 we'll geek out about that uh, offline for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, but no, nah, like this, this tour, you know, again, I'm, I'm three years old. Like this is the first tour. Like that's what made me a Michael fan. Um, my mom recorded the Bucharest show on VHS uh, for the kids that don't know what that is. That's before, like way before streaming was even a thing before even DVDs were a thing. And I wore that tape out all two hours. Like I, I know that Bucharest show like it's committed to my brain, my heart, body, everything. Like I know every moment of that show because watching him perform, that's what made me want to start dancing. And yeah, I mean, he took a lot of what um, what was successful about the bad tour and he elevated it for dangerous, you know, not only from the set list, but also from, you know, from the musicians, like, you know, Greg Fillingangs is the music director bringing in Brad Buxer, you know, Brad Buxer's a, you know, huge name within the, you know, the, the Michael Jackson legacy. So Brad Buxer is involved in, in, in making the tour and, you know, helping with the engineering stuff. So, I mean, like, there's just, there's so much great things that I could say about the Dangerous Tour. One of them being, it's the first time we see Michael do the, do the anti-gravity lane for Smooth Criminal. He wasn't doing that during the bad tour because he hadn't worked that out yet. But with Dangerous, you get that. But, um, but I'm gonna hand it over to user one. Um, what, what are some highlights for you as far as the Dangerous Tour? Like, w- w- which of the two tours do you prefer? Didn't he toast on Dangerous? He came out, the toaster came out for Dangerous, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn, he came oh, out on the yeah, toaster. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's it for me. He tucked them knees. They t- Nigga, did you come busting out of the ground? Did you come busting out of the ground? After that long-ass spaceman intro, and people were like, what is this? But they didn't care because it was Michael. And then he comes popping out like a piece of toast. Right. Who gives a shit? Did he just come out the floor? <laughs> I mean, and it's and it's like, like you said, he tucked them knees. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's the it's not just him coming out of the floor; it's the explosiveness of his body. And and, yeah. and that's a great way to describe not only the tour, but like that was really like the the whole feel of the Dangerous album. Like it, it, he was mm-hmm. a musical representation of that. Like it's explosive; it is in your face. Like it's just it, it's phenomenal. Um. And then uh, towards the end, you, know, you, you got the Rocket Man, like him pulling out. Like we ain't ever seen anybody do that before. It's like, yo, mm-hmm. Michael, Michael's different, bro. Michael's different. He elevates Jam above Wannabe Start. And so, so first of all, I just want, so Dangerous does it for me because Dangerous takes the best of bad, like you said, Chris. He goes, okay, I can, but I, this is what I really wanted it to do. I had to test it out over here on bad, but this is what I really wanted to do. I think he was still in Jackson's mode trying to get out of that for bad. And trying to, you know, like exorcise kind of that demon 
for lack of a better phrase, <laughs> like get out of the brother groove. Because again, he he still surrounds himself with four dancers who are holding microphones. They're not singing. They're supposed to be, you know, simulating his brothers. Um, right. And how but do you, you got to remember, you know, too, how do you break out list, of that? The first time that he does this J5 medley is now on the bad tour. I think he was still cl- too close to victory. He pulls out the J5 medley for the dangerous tour after a little bit of time had passed. <laughs> and he was like, okay. Uh, I, I, I recall him doing it for the bad tour. Yeah, he did. He did. Oh, he, well, it's not on the yeah. set list. I'm looking at he it. He did. Oh, wait, it is. You just didn't put J5 medley. Okay, you're right. You're uh-huh. right. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. I want you back. The love you save. I'll be really, there. the continuity. You need to make these notes continuously. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame me because you I'm don't read, read better. No, you went to good. college. It's all good. Because I love how he goes from I'll be there straight into rock with you. Like that transition is crazy. So let's talk about the performances that were best on The Bachelor. I think we're all going like, damn, Dangerous was kind of was kind of tough. Like yeah. th- those dangerous performances were pretty tough, like coming out with jam. But I do think he has some songs from the bad tour that were better performances. I think rock with you is one. I think human nature is one. Mm-hmm. Another, Another part, part of has got to be in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, Dirty I'm, Diana. Yeah. Dirty I was about to say Dirty mm-hmm. Diana, even though he didn't carry mm-hmm. it over to dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Dirty Diana is a, that, that's a highlight for me. Can I say and, my uh, unpopular opinion? Yeah, what's up? I absolutely hate it when Michael performed Thriller on a tour. I could not stand it. It was just terrible to me. It is, I'm just like, you got, you put a mask on. It's too much going on. It's not even, I, I don't know. I prefer watching the video Thriller because of the storytelling in it. For me, is better as a video than him performing live um on stage but that's just my unpopular opinion so if i was going to remove anything from any set list it would be thriller from both <laughs> no that, that that that's actually a fair critique so since we're on the topic of unpopular opinions here's one that i have about any michael jackson set list period is that he would he would perform the same songs and i wish that he would have experimented more with songs that he was working on during that particular time so imagine mm-hmm. In an alternate universe, instead of starting with jam, he starts with can't let her get away. Like just that whole intro and then bam, 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 bam. Like that would that would blow the roof off the place. Like, you know, so like I wish that he would take other songs that that could have been just as strong in a live setting um, instead of just relying on, you know, Thriller, Beat It, Billie Jean. You know what? Your third eye is open because let me tell you what. I had to go to court yesterday and I got in the car to drive to the courthouse and the DJ had a midday mix and the midday mix when I got in the car was can't let her get away. And they were mixing it with, uh, you know, other songs from the nineties. It was so fire. I was like, damn, he really should have did this song on tour. And then I got back in the car after I left court and rock with you was on i was like michael you're speaking to me are you speaking to me i hear you but the point is made that song like i think that yeah dangerous didn't get the fair shake because of all the things that 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 happened that cut it short right so you know it's almost like it's hard to kind of do a true comparison because it gets cut short but I think you're right. And I think like he put jam over want to be starting something because it was that explosiveness. Like he knew he could move into want to be 
from Jam and it would do something entirely different. Like, but yeah, he has some deep cuts, man, from Dangerous that did not get the love. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let me ask y'all this. And then we're going to, and then you got to choose a better tour. Which tour had the better version of Billie Jean? Okay, Billie Jean from Bad or Billie Jean from Dangerous? I feel like Michael had perfected all of the little nuances of the solo dancing spot. You know, where he uh, at the end of the song where he takes the hat and puts it on his head and the spotlight comes down. I feel like he had perfected that more by the time we get to the Dangerous tour. It's man, that's hard to it's hard to choose. Don't be a punk. Because every time he does that song, it's fire. Like Pick every one. time he does it. Don't, I don't said, qualify. I, just, I picked one? the Dangerous Tour, but okay. I don't right, like cool. my choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like my choice. I'm about to say I'm going to choose the bad tour. Okay. Um, and, and, and may, maybe this is my, my, my dancer side coming out. Like when I, I, and I've done this, I've watched them side by side and there's more, there's more funk with the bad version compared to dangerous not saying like like my, michael's so funky to his core don't get me wrong but there there are just like certain points that i can see where i'm like ooh, like like there's he put a little more stank on this move over here or you know when, when he does like the the circular glide where he's just kind of standing in place like you know, like there's just so much funk and finesse there whereas when it came to dangerous it felt more like oh i need to do this move because i know it's a michael jackson move Whereas with bad, it felt more organic. I, you know I what, changed Chris? my vote with Chris. No, 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 no. No, I ain't no changing <laughs> of no votes. This the vote is the vote. I told you I wasn't comfortable with my choice. No, well, get you wouldn't let me it's say yours. everybody. You wouldn't let me give everybody a participation trophy. So I have to <laughs> no one. participation trophies. And you know what, Chris? Them 29-year-old knees don't move like 33-year-old knees neither. Exa- Yo, listen, listen, bro. Like, <laughs> I know it. Cause I'm 33 now, man. Like I, I can't do what I did at 28 and 29 anymore. So. Don't move the same. Don't move the exactly. same. So yeah, like, it hits different. Yeah. But and, and, and that's something that I noticed or, or, or go ahead. Good. Now I'm just encouraging the people to do stretches, stretch. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Stretch. <laughs> I, and I'll, I'll, if you're listening to this and you're 18, 19 years old, be like, nah, I ain't got to stretch, stretch. I promise you <laughs> do it. Um, but no, like, like y- y'all understand what I'm saying though. Like w- w- when it comes to like Michael knew that he was a brand. And I think that in the nineties, he became more brand centric in a way. Whereas with the eighties, like there's a balance of like, yes, he still wants to be a brand, but there's still like, there's still a lot of soul to go with the science of it. As far as him, you know, becoming the icon that we know him to be. So like, I feel like there's, there's a little more funk in the areas with, with the bad era Billie Jean performance than there is with Dangerous. So like with Dangerous, it's more calculated where it's like, okay, I'm going to do this here because I know that if I, if I stand on my toes this way, like, Ooh, you know, they'll, they'll play it on an MTV and and I know people are going to see it kind of thing. Like it felt more like it was more marketing and, and brand centric. Whereas with bad, there was a little more funk and or, organicness to it. Soul versus science and soul gonna win every time. Just go ahead and let y'all know. I think I feel what you, I'm picking up what you're putting down. All right. So second question, and then you guys got to choose the better tour. It's just, you got to do it. That's just what the show is about. So we don't need, no, I don't like my choices using 1.5. But here's a second question to help you zone in on your choice. She's out of my life on bad versus she's out of my life 
on dangerous. Let's talk about this for a moment because is dangerous is when the girls start coming up, right? Or is that mm-hmm. history? Is that that's dangerous? When does he start uh, bringing the ladies they, up? They, I no, think he brought yeah. somebody up for for the bad tour, didn't he? he yeah, yeah. Cheryl Sh- Crow was. Yeah, Cheryl Crow was singing, and then uh, Saida. No, 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 no. Not I just can't stop loving you. She's out of my life. Oh, she's out. Oh, my, my bad. My bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was so thinking I can't stop loving when, you when too. The girls come up. When did yeah? The, yeah, yeah when it, did the girls start coming up? I think it's a bad tour. The ones that came up, he would be crying. They'd be crying. They'd be he crying. Would, and... They'd be crying. <laughs> he would be fake crying. He'd be fake crying. They yeah. crying. That's dangerous. <laughs> Is that dangerous? No, I'm, huh? I'm I'm confident it's the bad tour because if I'm if I'm remembering right, you're on right, the Wembley Chris. Show, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, on the Wembley show, I remember mm-hmm. uh, th- there was an English woman that came up on stage and she was like real proper. Like she didn't like act out too much compared to other chicks I've seen on stage. You Americans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like, no, nah, I'm not like y'all. Y'all, y'all, y'all can miss Y'all ready that. to bust it wide open at a moment's notice in America. And it's just really wild. That's how y'all got Donald Trump. Relax. Wow. Just relax, ladies and gentlemen and gentlemen. All right. All right. We go relax. All right, cool. So which one, which, which one, all right, which one, Chris, she's out of my life on bad versus she's out of my life on dangerous and why? Yeah. I would choose the, uh, the dangerous version, you know, because the majority of the shows I've seen that he did, you know, over in Europe and, and, and other places internationally, like you saw the women really show more excitement and passion, you know, with being on stage. And I think that, you know, Michael loved that. Like he loved showing that up. Like I said, he, he's always been a showman at heart. You know, he learned that from James Brown. Um, so to me, I, I would choose the dangerous version for that reason is that it gave him and he gave him an opportunity to kind of play in the theatrics a little bit more. And we know our guy wanted to be an actor really badly. Exactly. Exactly. So it seemed like he only got those opportunities to do, you know, to show off his acting chops through his art. Yeah. Only shots. if he gave them to himself. Only if he yeah. he cast himself them. in quite a few roles, and good for him because good for him, good for my. What you think? What you think? Using one point five. Um, I I'm, I'm gonna have to life? say, uh, I'm gonna have to say dangerous. I I don't um, I really don't like what you're doing right now, which is comparing the same song on different tours. Um, it really just makes me uncomfortable. To choose, it's like choosing a favorite child. I, I'm gonna go ahead and skip ahead. The Dangerous Tour is my favorite of the two tours. So you just don't know how to play by the rules, do you? I'm just saying that's you, why I'm choosing it which from song? the Dangerous Tour. Which song? We're, okay, Dangerous. Yep. Okay. Yep. Chris, what did you say? Bad. No, uh, Chris said Dangerous too. For, Chris said uh, Chris said Dangerous too. Are you talking about in general? No. What was the first song I asked y'all about? She's out of my life. Billy Jean. Nah, Billy Jean. Oh, Billie Jean. Yeah. Uh-huh. So dangerous one for Billie Jean and dangerous or, or, is when. No, I, well, I, I, I chose. Bad, no, you said uh, bad for, because for he had Jean. the flexibility with the knees. You're right. He had right. the soul in it versus the science. And then user 1.5 said. I think she changed her vote to bad. She didn't she know what the. Case. That's why I'm confused because she's changing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> matter. He did. Both tours were great. Yeah. All right. Everybody, everybody. Okay. Everybody just choose bad versus this is a bad versus dangerous episode. We don't need no participation trophies. Somebody got to win and somebody got to be the loser. Which tour was the better Michael Jackson tour? One had 123 dates. One barely went a year, but had many more different songs and different performances. Which one was the better tour? Y'all decide go. I'm, I'm gonna say the bad tour because we got to see a like we got to see a full tour campaign 
Whereas with dangerous, it got cut short due to circumstances outside of his control. Plus, the most, if not all, of the bad tour shows were done with you know live vocals. Where whereas with dangerous, you do see some lip syncing there, especially like you know for songs like Jam, uh, Smooth Criminal. Um, you know he would you know because the the complex you know the complex choreography like he had you know he wanted to save his voice for a two hour show and he had to do this for hundreds of dates so um, I would choose the bad tour for that reason. I'm going to double down on the dangerous tour and I will tell you why. The dangerous album is one of my favorite albums. I say that about every album. I really have no credibility when it comes to this, but will you be there? Seriously, is one of my favorite, like if not the favorite Michael Jackson song for me. And the fact that he did that, he did this song so beautifully on stage with the the angel and wrapping his, you know, wrapping their wings around him and the poem that he says uh, on the backside of the song. I just love that song. And so for that alone, I'm going to go with the Dangerous Tour. But also Michael was just, he was in the prime of everything commercial and personal success, right? Because by the time we hit Dangerous, Michael is so commercially successful that Sony basically is like, yeah, we'll pay for statues to go send down rivers in different countries to promote your new album. Sure, we'll do that for history, you know? And so I just feel like Michael was at his peak here and I just love everything about this show. User one, what what you got, bad or dangerous? Man, Chris, you know, you made I was going to go dangerous until you made a point that I cannot ignore. And that is the lip syncing. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of straight up live, live, live. And his vocals were crazy on bad on the bad tour. I think the music purist in me is going to push me that direction. But Lord have mercy. The opening of dangerous is sick. Yes. It's a killer. We did get some some new songs for Dangerous, like User 1.5 said, Will You Be There is beautiful. You know, Black or White is a simp song and it's cool, whatever. Um, But it's kind of simpy. Like when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, it's kind of simpy. I like I like the idea of unity. And the to me, the video for Black or White is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, But the song is kind of simpy. I mean, whatever. It's all good. Heal the World is great. Man in the Mirror, of course, is is a is a bad cut. And so the Rocket Man piece is cute. He was like, I'm out of here, bitches. I'm gone. I'm done. Entertained y'all enough for tonight. I'm gone. I'm literally flying away. Quite literally, I'm flying away. Yeah, I got to give it to Bad. All right, Bad wins the tour round. Bad wins the tour Use Use 1.5 feels some kind of way, but 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 we She probably ready to change her vote right now. No, I don't want to change my vote because I said what I said. <laughs> Okay, but I can respect where y'all are coming from, but I still said what I said. Okay, and yeah. but I it was, wasn't I just. Jam. Say, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think well, what else he lip synced on. Uh, Dangerous. He did lip sync on this tour. He lip synced damn near the whole history tour. We ain't even gonna talk about that. I love how Michael, starting with um, the second leg of the bad tour, had "Man in the Mirror" as his closing song, and that's something that he would do going forward. Right, the last song. Of the 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 set, like you knew everything was done when Man in the Mirror came on, and um and so I love that starting with the bad tour, the the second leg that he started using Man in the Mirror because that is, 
I like Chris said the the closest thing we're going to have to church on a, a pop mm-hmm. stage, and um, and it's the Michael, spin in the knees again. The it's knees, the, yeah, man. it's the spin in the knees. And this is after he did like five six spins in a row, Correct. and then he hits on his knees and still is taking you to church. You know, what I mean? James like, Brown had that too. He would hit them knees on you too. James then Brown he just started bowing, hitting them knees on you. Yeah, well, he did it for a long time. Yeah, James was doing splits and everything. Yeah, for a long time. James was not Mr. Bird. Yeah, he was killing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, user one, before we move forward, um, yeah. you, you would, uh, I, I believe I heard you ask, uh, you know, what other songs did Michael Lip sync on the Danger Store? So the ones that come to mind are Jam, Smooth Criminal, and Thriller. Those are the three main yeah, ones that right. I can think of. I think you're right. I don't think he did any. I'm trying to think. Was the way you make me feel lip sync on uh, Dangerous? Yeah. Yeah. It, like based on the shows that I've seen, like, like the one in, um, uh, Oslo, Norway. That one I've seen. It that does sound uh, like a, like a playback. It doesn't sound like live vocals to me. I don't think he did heal the world either. I'm trying to think. Heal the world. Mm. He lip synced. I think. I think. Or was this? Yeah. Wait. This might be the history tour because he lip synced the whole. No, nah, dangerous. But I feel I like he. I, I feel like he lip synced. I feel like he lip synced that one too. That's some of the hits that some of the Beyonce crowd and some other fan groups kind of take. They say, oh, well, he started lip syncing a lot. And I think, Chris, you brought up a good point about the magnitude of the show as far as energy preservation, because Michael wasn't just a singer. He's an, an entertainer, a dancer, a real dancer, for real, for real. And, you know, I just think that at some point, I think at this point, like you do have to go, like he can't do this full out show like this in the same way. Yeah. And and again, I mean, you got to think, you know, for two years, he, he was on the road doing the bad tour. And if you go and look at that set list, like there's really no, like th- there's little to no rest. I mean, he is blazing through 17, 18 songs. Um, so, I, so I get it. You know, I, I get that he's wanting to preserve his body um, for, for the dangerous tour. But, um, but yeah, it's for that reason. That's why I, I choose bad is that you get, you get a lot of musicianship. And I think the the pacing of the show, I mean, like he blazes through it blazes through it whereas i think after i would say after beat it is when the momentum starts to really slow down on dangerous tour and then it picks back up for uh for man in the mirror you know again he's getting he's getting he's older not just it's not just the age because 33 is still pretty young i mean he's still sub 40 so you're talking about someone who still has a lot of stamina but certainly looks different than in your 20s but also he's been doing this so long it's like Jeez, y'all, like you got to expect that there has to be some modifications in order to still provide a very good show. And he does do the majority of this tour very live. So vocals and everything. So, you know, it's just a couple of songs that that don't get that treatment. But yeah, Bad was top to bottom, just straight up killing it. Thank you for listening to the Black Jackson Estate podcast, part one of Bad versus Dangerous with special guest co-host Chris Lacey. Chris, thank you for joining us on this episode and sharing your perspective on Michael's art and music with us and our listeners. If you love this podcast, you can support us by liking, sharing, commenting, and subscribing wherever you're listening to the show. You can also support us by joining our Patreon, where you'll get access to exclusive content and become a member of our very raw and very real Black Jackson Estate Patreon family. And right now, you can take advantage of our free trial on Patreon. We are still and have always been a people-powered podcast, and without your support, we wouldn't exist. So thank you so much. Up next, join us for part two of Bad vs. Dangerous.